Chapter Thirty Three of The Silent House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amanda Friday. The Silent House by Fergus Hume. Chapter Thirty Three. What Rhoda Had to Say. Of all the news concerning the truth of Clear's death, this was the last which Lucian expected to hear. He stood staring at the excited face of the detective in wide-eyed surprise, and for the moment could not find his voice. "'It is true, I tell you,' cried Link, sitting down and smoothing out the paper which he carried. "'Rhoda, and none other, killed the man.' "'Are you sure, Link?' "'Of course I am. This,' flourishing the paper, "'is her dying confession.' "'Her dying confession?' repeated the barrister blankly. "'Is she dead also?' "'Yes. It is a long story, Mr. Denzil. Sit down, and I'll tell it to you.' As you have had so much to do with the beginning of the case, it is only fair that you should know the end, and a strange end it is. Without a word Lucian sat down, feeling quite confused, for in no way could he guess how clear had come by his death at the hands of Rhoda. He had suspected Lydia as guilty of the crime, he had credited Ferrucci with its commission, and he had been certain of the guilt of Klein, alias Rent, but to discover that the red-headed servant was the culprit entirely bewildered him. She had no motive to kill the man, she had given evidence freely in the matter, and in all respects had acted as an innocent person. So this was why she had left Jersey Street? It was a fear of being arrested for the crime which had driven her into the wilds. But as Lucian privately thought, she need not have fled, for as far as he could see, beyond the startling announcement of Link, there was no evidence to connect her with the matter. It was most extraordinary. "'I see you are astonished,' said Link with a nod. "'So was I.' Of all folk I least suspected that imp of a girl. The truth would never have been known had she not confessed at the last moment, for even now I cannot see, on the face of it, any evidence, save her own confession, to inculpate her in the matter. So you see, Mr. Denzil, the mystery of this man's death, which we've been so anxious to solve, has not yet been explained by you, or discovered by me, but has been brought to light by chance, which, after all, is the great detective. You may well look astonished, repeated the man slowly. I am. Immensely. Let me hear the confession, Link. Wait one moment. I'll tell you how it came to be made, and then I'll relate the story in my own fashion, as the way in which the confession is written is too muddled for you to understand clearly. Still, it shows plainly enough that Klein, for all our suspicions, is innocent. And Rhoda, the sharp servant girl, guilty, said Lucian reflectively. I never should have thought that she was involved in the matter. How the deuce did she come to confess? "'Well,' said Link, clearing his throat as a preliminary to his narrative, "'it seems that Mr. Susan, in a fit of philanthropy, picked up this wretched girl in the country. She belonged to some gypsies, but as her parents were dead and the child a burden, the tribe were glad to get rid of her. Rhoda Stanley—that is her full name—was taken to London by Mrs. Bensusan, who tried to civilize her. "'I don't think she succeeded very well, Link. Rhoda, with her cunning ways and roaming about at night, was always a savage at heart.' In spite of what Klein says in his confession, I believe she took a delight in turning number 13 into a haunted house with her shrieking and her flitting candles. How she must have enjoyed herself when she heard the talk about the ghost! I have no doubt she did, Mr. Denzil, but even those delights wearied her, and she longed to get back to the free gypsy life. When she found, through you, sir, that the police wanted to know too much about Clear's death, she left Mrs. Bensusan in the lurch, and tramped off down to the new forest where she picked up again with her tribe. How did her mistress take her desertion? 
very much to heart, as she had treated the young savage very kindly, and ought to have received more gratitude. Perhaps when she hears how her adopted child wandered about at night, and ended by killing Clear, she will be glad she's dead and buried. Yet, I don't know. Women are wonderfully soft-hearted, and certainly Rhoda's thought no end of by that fat woman. "'Well, well,' said Lucian, impatient of this digression. "'So Rhoda went back to her tribe?' "'Yes, sir. And as she was sharp, clever, and, moreover, came with some money which she'd stolen from Mrs. Bensusan, for she added theft to ingratitude, she was received with open arms. With her gypsy cousin she went about in the true gypsy style, but, not being hardened to the outdoor life in wet weather, she fell ill.' "'Civilization made her delicate, I suppose,' said Denzil grimly. "'Exactly. She was not fit for the tent life after having lived for so long under a comfortable roof. She fell ill with inflammation of the lungs, and in a wonderfully short space of time she died. When did she confess her crime?' "'I'm coming to that, sir. When she was dying she sent two gypsies to the nearest magistrate, who happened to be the vicar of the parish in which the tribe were then encamped, and asked him to see her on a matter of life and death. The vicar came at once, and when he became aware that Rhoda was the girl wanted in the brain case, for he'd read all about her in the papers, he became very interested. He took down the confession of the wretched girl, had it signed by two witnesses and Rhoda herself, and sent it up to Scotland Yard. And this confession? Here it is, said Link, pointing to the manuscript on the table. But it's too long to read, so I shall just tell you briefly what Rhoda confessed and how she committed the crime. Go on, I am most anxious to hear, Link. "'Well, Mr. Denzil, you know that Rhoda was in the habit of visiting number 13 by night, and amusing herself by wandering about the empty rooms, although I don't know what pleasure she found in doing so. It seems that when Clear became the tenant of the house, Rhoda was very angry, as his presence interfered with her midnight capers. However, on seeing his rooms, for Clear found her one night and took her in to show them to her, she was filled with admiration and with true gypsy instinct wanted to steal some of the ornaments.' She tried to pocket a silver paper-knife. On that very night Clear was so hospitable to her. But she was not sharp enough, and the man saw the theft. In a rage at her dishonesty he turned her out of the room and swore that he would thrash her if she came into his presence again. Did the threat keep Rhoda away? Not it. I am sure you saw enough of that wild cat to know nothing would frighten her. She certainly did not thrust herself personally on Clear, but whenever his back was turned she took to stealing things out of his room, when he was foolish enough to leave the door open. Clear was much enraged, and complained to Klein, known to Rhoda as Rent, who in his turn read the girl a sharp lecture. But having shown Klein the cellarway into the house, Miss Rhoda knew too much, and laughed in Klein's face. He did not dare to make her thefts public, or complain to Mrs. Bensusan, lest Rhoda should tell of the connection between him and the tenant of the silent house, who passed under the name of Berwin. Therefore he told Clear to keep his sitting-room door locked. "'A wise precaution with that imp about,' said Lucian. I hope Clear was sensible enough to adopt it. Yes, and no. When he was sober he locked the door, and when drunk he left it open, and Rhoda looted at will. And now comes the more important part of the confession. You remember that Klein left the stiletto from Berwin Manor on Clear's table? Yes, with the amiable intention that the poor devil should kill himself. He left it on Christmas Eve, too, a pleasant time for a man to commit suicide. Of course, the intention was horrible, said Mr. Link gravely. Some people might think such an act incredible, but I have seen so much of the worst side of human nature that I am not surprised. Klein was too cowardly to kill the man himself, so he thought to make clear his own executioner by leaving the stiletto in his way. Well, sir, the weapon proved to be useful in the way it was intended by Klein, for clear was killed with that very weapon. And by Rhoda, 
said Lucian, nodding. I see. How did she get hold of it? By accident. When Rent, I mean Klein, and Mrs. Bensusan went to bed on Christmas Eve, Rhoda thought she would have some of her devil dances in the haunted house, so she slipped out of bed and into the yard, and dropped down into the cellar, whence she went up to Clear's rooms. Was Clear in bed? No, but he was in his bedroom, and according to Rhoda, furiously drunk. You know that Klein said the man had been drinking all day. On this night he had left his sitting-room door open and the lamp burning. On the table was the silver-handled stiletto, with the ribbon, and when Rhoda peered into the room to see what she could pick up, she thought she would like this pretty toy. She stole forward softly and took the stiletto, but before she could get back to the door, Clear, who had been watching her, reeled out and rushed at her. Did she run away? She couldn't. Clear was between her and the door. She ran round the room, upsetting everything, for she thought he would kill her in his drunken rage. Don't you remember, Mr. Denzil, how disorderly the room was? While Clear got Rhoda into a corner and was going to strike her, she had the stiletto still in her hand and held it point outward to save herself from the blow. She thought when he saw the weapon he would not dare to come nearer. However, either he did not see the stiletto or was too drunk to feel fear, for he stumbled and fell forward so that the dagger ran right into his heart. In a moment he fell dead, before he had time, as Rhoda says, to even utter a cry. "'So it was an accident after all,' said Lucian. "'Oh, yes, quite an accident,' replied Link, "'and I can see very plainly how it took place. "'Of course Rhoda was terrified at what she'd done, "'although she really was not to blame, "'and leaving the dead man ran away with the stiletto. "'She dropped the ribbon off it near the cellar door "'as she was running away, and there Mrs. Kebby found it. "'What did she do with the stiletto?' "'She had it in her room, "'and when she left Mrs. Ben Susan, "'she carried it with her down the country. "'In proof of the truth, "'she gave it to the vicar who wrote down her confession.' and he sent it up with the papers to Scotland Yard. Queer case, isn't it? Very queer, Link. I thought everybody was guilty but Rhoda. Ah, said the detective significantly. It is always the least suspected person who is guilty. I could have sworn that Klein was the man. Now it seems that he is innocent, so instead of hanging he will only be imprisoned for his share in the conspiracy. He may escape that way, said Lucian dryly. But morally speaking, I regard him as more guilty than Rhoda. End of chapter 33 Recording by Amanda Friday